the Philippines, 17 regions and 81 provinces spread across 7,641 islands, each one a home to people, places, and potential. The Philippines, a member of ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, and Bimpiaga, the Brunei Darussalam, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, East ASEAN Growth Area. There's definitely more to the Philippines than just the national capital region. Find out more about what the rest of the regions that comprise our archipelago and the regional groupings that our country is part of have to offer to us and to the world on Regional Roundup. Regional Roundup with Bing Kimpo. A closer look at the regions in and around us. A wider perspective of our islands and our part of the world. Welcome back to a new reconfigured Regional Roundup. My name is Bing Kimpo. For those of you who've seen or heard the show through the past couple of years or so that we aired on the Philippine Broadcasting Service, this reconfiguration means that we'll be doing a deeper dive into our subjects and breaking them into a mini-series of episodes. Yes, we are embracing a more updated podcast feel, but still keeping our focus trained on what Regional Roundup has been advocating right from the very start discussions on developments and an overview of opportunities across the rest of the archipelago, outside the national capital region that is. Much of media coverage is presently focused on Metro Manila. Here in Regional Roundup, we purposely look at developments and opportunities elsewhere. And that includes the regional groupings that the Philippines is part of. In particular, ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, and its Bint Iaga subregion, the Brunei Darussalam, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, East ASEAN Growth Area. In our next four episodes, we'll be talking about Philippine tropical fibers. We'll get to know more about the products and the demand for yarn from abaca, banana, bamboo, bandala, pineapple leaf, and silk where across the country they may be sourced, the opportunities that these fibers present, as well as the obstacles to taking fuller advantage of these opportunities, and more importantly, what is being done now. Our guide throughout this subject is Celia Elumba. She's the director of the Department of Science and Technology's Philippine Textile Research Institute. By the way, I would like to thank former Science and Technology Secretary Fortunato Boy de la Peña for connecting me to Director Ilumba. In Episode 1, we begin with an overview of the Philippine Textile Research Institute and get introduced to some Philippine tropical fibers. What is the Philippine Textile Research Institute? What does it do? Well, thank you, Bing, uh, for that question. We are the Philippine Textile Research Institute is one of seven research and development institutes of the Department of Science and Technology. As, as you know, no, um, meron kaming mga sectoral or industry um, specializations. So we have, for example, one of the agencies will be focused on metal. Another one will be on food. Another one is advanced science. In our particular case, it's anything to do with textiles. But I think what needs to be explained 
is what is the definition of a textile? Because obviously we know if it is something we wear. It's the easiest definition, tela, fabric, um, wearable. But essentially, when you consider that your N95 mask is a non-woven material, that is a textile. Um, your N88, the N95s, your surgical gloves, your surgical um, PPEs, uh, or even non-surgical, a PPE is a textile material. Um, the overhead boards that you have for the vehicles, the cars, uh, those are non-woven materials. The mattings, the carpeting that are uh, that is used in vehicles, that's a textile material. Um, the anything that is a uh, imagine a substrate, let's say for medical application, um, skin tissue engineering, that is potentially a textile material. Bandages are textiles. So there are uh, from polymer, very, very basic um, tool or material that goes into the production of a, a filament, something that you can interlace, something that you can knit or crochet or weave or use as a non-woven material is a textile. So here we're looking at a very wide um, gamut of possibilities uh, of, of a textile material from something very natural to something that is very synthetic as most of what we have today uh, are made of. Day to day, what does the Philippine Textile Research Institute do then? A number of things. Our mandate is very focused on three particular general um, areas of engagement. Of course, research and development is topmost. So we research on whether it's a process, a product, a material, or a machinery, those all come into play. And so you have, um, we have laboratories, we have processing facilities, we have testing facilities, which is the next element. We test, we, um, we uh, how do you say this? We provide compliance testing. Uh, we have a law called the Philippine Tropical Fabric Law. Somebody has to certify that in fact, it conforms to the requirements of the law itself. So testing is the second um, element. Uh, we provide the standards as well. We transfer technologies, which is the fruit of the R&D work. After we research and, and handle the development, we then go from laboratory to bench scale to pilot scale until it goes into a commercial deployment. And the commercial part of it is what the techno transfer or the technology diffusion unit uh, works on. This would be in the form of either training where we transfer that knowledge or information or tech transfer through licensing, through agreements, through a techno business incubation, for example. So in, in multiple layers, all of this happen um, across the board from the research part to the testing part to the tech transfer part or knowledge transfer part of the uh, mandates of the Institute. Well, it, it sounds pretty complicated to me and, and uh, it sounds pretty far from, you know, our notion of, of uh, you know, probably the common notion of, of what textiles are, that they're they're there to be made into shirts or, or you know, the shirts. Footwear or, for that matter. Footwear for that matter. Yeah, that's right. Or medical um, application uh, or industrial. When you look at your air filters, your oil or water filters, those are also textile materials.
The Philippine Textile Research Institute recently held a mall exhibit that, as I quote uh, your press release, showcased the commercial viability of Philippine tropical yarns. Let's start, I guess, from the beginnings of what makes a Philippine tropical fabric. Because that was the pinaka basis of the yarns. Uh, the country has a very special law. And I find this, it's really a beautiful piece of legislation. It basically means that government employees, 1.8 average number of government employees, should be really using what is called a Philippine tropical fabric. To qualify, that material must be infused or made of, not just infused, made of, um, made of a material that is blended with at least, and this is a token percentage. Now, I, we actually don't like the idea that it's only at least 5%. But that was how the law started because in the beginning, nobody could put in 5% of abaca or banana or pineapple leaf and silk for that matter. Um, and so Philippine tropical fabric is anything that is, that is with those materials, but not just that. It must come from the Philippines, processed in the Philippines, which means it must be spun, finished, woven, that means also dyed in the Philippines, and produces a wearable government office uniform in the Philippines. So that's that's why I say it's a beautiful piece of law because it really goes to the entire value chain to make sure that it is a Philippine-based product for use of Philippine government employees. So that is the basis. But to have that fabric, it must, since it has to be produced in the Philippines or processed here, you have to start with the yarn. Mm -hmm. It's the basic element. If your yarn is not a Philippine tropic, made of Philippine tropical or our natural textile fibers, then it is not considered compliant to the Philippine tropical This is the reason that our focus has been on the development of natural textile fibers that is spun, blended with cotton, um, whether it is abaca, banana, pineapple leaf, we've already expanded now to include bamboo and bandala, the new material, uh, so that we can help make this law a reality or make it alive because it has no life without the input material. Among those that exhibit rather, were yarn blends made of uh, partly bandala, pineapple leaf, abaca, silk, banana, and bamboo. So, first of all, some of those are familiar. Uh, abaca, silk, uh, we, we know that, that you make clothing out of those. But what is bandala? And how do you make uh, clothing or how do you make fabric out of banana and bamboo? Yeah, well, first of all, we have to differentiate. Uh, when we say pineapple leaf, for example, no? the pineapple leaf... Um, that people will be most familiar with is the one that comes from the red Spanish pineapple. The red Spanish, what you will know as your barong material, uh, ternos and the barong at Tagalogs, the very, very special uh, prime, uh, premium commodity, which is really rather pricey, rather um, a special occasion wear. That one comes uh, particularly from, from Calibo Aklan, some from Palawan. Um, and you know this because when they speak of Filipino textiles, oftentimes they think that is the terno or anything made of, of that piña or piña seda. That's not the pineapple that we are referring to. We're referring to the pineapple that comes as an agricultural waste. This is now your, your Hawaiian, your Formosa, or your queen variety of a pineapple, which really are um, agricultural waste product. So you can derive fiber from that. You can also derive fiber from another um, 
fruiting um, plant, no, which is the banana. So the calm or the, the pseudo stem of that is also just uh, thrown out as a, a byproduct, a waste material. But you can also derive fiber from that. So you'll ask your question, yourself the question, why only those? Well, because those have established supply chains. Because in truth, there could be others. You could have Rami as a source, but that, has, that does not quite have a developed supply chain. So we're focusing on the abaca, the banana, the pineapple leaf, the bamboo, because those have established supply chains. You asked the question of bandala. Bandala is a very interesting new material. You know, the country's abaca industry was besieged by the bungee top virus. Many plantations across the country uh, were decimated because of this particular virus. So there was a study that was made on how they can feasibly help the abaca planters and plantations get past or get over and make sure that we do not get infested or there's no further infection that can happen from this, this virus. Uh, so bandala is really a, a back cross breed between the abaca and the wild banana, the pakol variety, which is found to be resistant to the bajita virus. To begin with, abaca and banana are cousins. They're, they're kind of related. So the wild pakol has this natural resistance to the virus. And so they thought of our uh, um, scientists in or researchers at the UPLB uh, through the funding of the PICARD, the Philippine Council for Agri-Aqua and the Natural Resources. They looked at this and they found that um, this new material, bandala, it is a real definition. The word really means something um, back cross. It's natural uh, a thing to help the, the abaca industry. And essentially, it is 87 or 80 some percent or 92 point something percent abaca in terms of DNA structure. So it is it is it has the the, the, the structural elements of abaca with the natural resistance of, of banana of that wild pakol but it does not quite have the same tenacity as the original abaca, which is used for towage or um, um, what do you call this? The, the twines cordage. and the cords and the rope. Cordage, cordage. Yeah, yeah. But that's all right because we found that this particular material is excellent when it comes to textile and paper application, pulp application. And after all, when you consider it, this is my understanding, that when you consider it, only 8% of abaca is really used for cordage or towage. A lot really is, is used for pulping. It goes into, you know, higher value products, which again is not made in the Philippines. It's sent outside as pulp. So it, it really is a, a response of the science community to this issue of the Banchita virus that really um, infested the, the abaca uh, industry um, in different parts. So I'm, I'm speaking about communities from Leyte to Davao to the Bicol area. It's wide swath from Luzon, Visayas, and Mindanao. Just on a side note, uh, I did have a conversation several months ago with the Philippine Fiber Development Authority, and they were they were telling me that the use of abaca, you know, we we know it uh, for for you know we 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 know it just for for yeah, for cordage primarily, yeah. but really a lot of it comes now uh, in the form of usage for currency. Yes. Usage for for the production of currency, for the production of face masks and and uh, PPEs, sausage and for the pr- and and f- sorry, sausage casings, the oh, coffee, yes. the drink coffee casings, the tea bags. So there's so much of that. 
and we're just barely scratching the surface it's simply because surface. simply because well we're not producing them here right the industry is not here okay. um, it's sent outside as like i said 70% as we know it is sent out as pulp that was episode 1 next episode we'll talk more about bandala pineapple leaf abaca silk banana and bamboo again with director Celia Ilumba of the Department of Science and Technology's Philippine Textile Research Institute. My name is Bing, and this has been an episode of Regional Roundup. Catch episode 2 of this feature on Philippine tropical fibers, coming to you via your favorite podcast and social media platforms.